It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 292, The Kingdom Parables, Part 3, The Parable of Faith versus The Parable of Sin. All right, as we continue our journey down the Kingdom Parables, we're now trotting down a path that no direct Jesus interpretation has occurred. Actually, it, it does in a way on the mustard seed parable, but definitely not on the other one. So forgive any misinterpretation at this stage. Feel free to examine these scriptures like the Bereans in the New Testament for your own interpretation um, of these parables. All right, I've done a lot of digging into these, and there's, there's a simple interpretation. Then again, there's the seven words of Jesus, the seven I am's of Jesus, the seven churches in Revelation, which tie into you know, these seven kingdom parables. But the simple interpretation of the parable, the mustard seed and yeast, are easy to pull at. Simple seeds and yeast activation show the power of the simplicity of and the rising up of a tree, well, more like a shrub, and the rising of dough. Simple faith and activation of it leads to great harvest, great fruit. But I believe there's way more. Here's the parables. Matthew 13:31, parable of the mustard seed. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet it, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Matthew 13:33, the parable of the yeast. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So let's start with the parable of the mustard seed. Mustard seeds are synonymous with faith. You can't get around this. Uh, when interpreting parables, it's, it's like dreams, really. You pull out the key words, and what do they mean to you for a dream, for instance? In the case of a parable, what does it mean in Scripture, right? The law of first mention is key here. God always keeps his definitions of words, numbers, in place in Scripture. It's the law of first mention. So that is the keys to interpretation, interpreting these parables. So there's something that helped me over many years ago. Believe it or not, um, you want a book on how to interpret dreams. Uh, the, the front of it has a huge section on how to understand the parables and how they are similar to understanding your dreams. Uh, the book to understanding the book is actually called Understanding the Dreams You Dream by Ira Mulligan. He has two of them. Make sure you, if you do get it, get the first one. It has a glossary, which is pretty crazy in it. Regardless, here's the mustard seed, which grows into a mustard tree. Ever seen a mustard tree? It's actually really a shrub, but it can grow up to 10 feet high. Jesus is about to start a movement. Um, he, in essence, is the seed. The seed was lowly, born of a virgin from a tiny backwater town of Nazareth. But his death will be the seed that dies, comes back and to take over and reinstate what was lost in the Garden of Eden. His disciples will start the church, 
which will be unstoppable for the generations to come, starting with only a few, a movement that cannot be stopped regardless of the persecutions, the death threats to become the preeminent institution on planet Earth. I was talking to Lance Ralston, History of the Christian Church podcast, and, and he pointed out years ago um, how when the churches were shut down for COVID lockdowns, there was a parallel of lawlessness, anarchy, and riots. The lack of corporate worship removes the, the, the stalwart or the defense or the, the city walls, which prevents demonic rising up in our cities. Um, there is a, you know, there's something that happens uh, when we worship uh, because the preeminent institution in the world is the church. The church and its worship of God and the teachings of the things of heaven bring heaven down to earth, inviting daily what Revela- Revelation would actually call the, the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit that didn't just dwell in us, but the Holy Spirit in, in Revelation is called the Great Restrainer. And the Great Restrainer um, holds back lawlessness. Now something we can't miss is that this, this mustard tree or shrub, which represents the works of Christ, and um, it, it, at the end of the parable it says, um, you know, it, well, the, the birth of the church occurs, and there's something that lands in it at the end of this parable. It's birds. It doesn't say a magnificent dove lands on it, but unfortunately it says birds. And in the previous parable, what swooped down and ate the seed? It was the birds. And it should be no surprise to think that those with false motives, vices, and worldly appetites like to congregate and intervene in the affairs of the church. Just look at some of the crazy things that many churches are promoting. It's basic discernment. If your place of worship is now a place of political activism, run to where Jesus is worshipped. For that is what we do at church. So as for the yeast and the dough, this is one that amazes me so much. On the surface, the yeast is like the seed. Here's a common interpretation. The kingdom of God may have small beginnings, but it will increase. Yeast is microscopic in size, and only little is kneaded into the dough. Yet given time, the yeast will spread all through the dough. That's a fine interpretation. It really is. It's fine. Um, and it gets the point across. But it, it's not consistent with what yeast is represented um, all through the Bible. And if you doubt me, Jesus himself says it. Mark 8.15, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. God doesn't change the, um, his uh, symbolism through the Bible. He wouldn't change the symbolism of yeast just for one interpretation. Here's the parable again. Matthew 13.33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. That a, young, that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The yeast, according to Jesus, is sin. The woman in this case is the evil one. Not that women are evil one, it's just representative of this story. But what is flour? Well, the flour is the world or the church, but check this out. The 60 pounds in this interpretation is actually three measures of flour for the King James Version of the Bible. This three measures of flour is used three times in the Old Testament. It is used in Genesis 18.6 with the three angels prior to Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Judges 6.19, Gideon's offering, and 1 Samuel 1.24, Hannah's offering to the Lord. The three measures of flour, or an ephah, or three seahs, if I'm saying it correctly, this is an offering, a wave offering to the Lord. This is what Gideon, Hannah, and Abraham, and many others gave to God. It was an offering. It's a wholly dedicated thing. What would be, you know, to the educated Jew in this time, it would be disgusting to think that um, any learned Jew would put yeast in their offering. It's almost sacrilegious to add yeast. No one would do this. So what is the yeast? Yeast is sin. It's like the evil man who sowed tares with the wheat. Sin is in the world and often in the church as well. The devil's plan is to infiltrate the world and inundate it with sin and temptation to basically conquer the earth. Through sin, he receives legal permission to interfere in the affairs of man. 1 John 5.19, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It's a horrible thought. But God's solution is a Holy Spirit working through you and me. John 17.14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. According to 2 Corinthians 5, we are God's ambassadors, called to bring a different kingdom. But we must be vigilant with our hearts and our churches to be free from sin and temptation. What I find interesting about these two parables side by side, um, there's kind of this juxtaposing faith and sin. It's this verse, and it's the faith book, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Sin is a hindrance to our walk with Christ. It's a hindrance to our walk of faith. In fact, sin blinds us to the reality of God. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can never be spiritually blinded, for he is the object of our faith. We should throw off everything that hinders and sin that entangles us. This entanglement prevents us from running the race. I imagine the race is more like hurdles or an obstacle course where the devil is constantly putting obstacles and tripwires before us to make us stumble. But we must never lose heart. We must never grow weary and tired. Faith is like a mustard seed, and sin desires, desires to kill that seed. Sin desires to ruin our offerings, but we cannot allow this to happen. Our offerings are like David said. You and I were offerings to God. We, like that drink offering before, we are like the dust, a worm, but no, what we do matters, and our offerings are a pleasing aroma to God. He draws near to us because of what David said in Psalms 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. A yielded heart is a pleasing offering to God one committed to the King of Kings. This is the offering that pleases God. No one polluted by the world, by leaven, by sin. He wants our whole heart. 
Want to yield the greatest harvest for the kingdom of God? Yield your life. Yield your spirit. Be led by God. Ask Him to judge you in your heart so that every moment can be one of the utmost glory. Faith is but a mustard seed and sin, the yeast. One a life-giving seed and the other an object of fermentation, a form of decay depending on how you look at it. Life is in the seed, the growth, the future growth, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of souls, the impact of generational blessings. I leave the audience with two radical verses on faith, two verses that I have chewed on for years. Now it's your turn. Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. Did you hear that? The only thing that counts. Man. All right, so we end with this one. Romans 14, 23. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Check out the website, messagetokings.com. Feel free to connect with us at messagetokings at gmail.com.